everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. Today I've got Greg and Aaron here joining me. Greg's the editor in chief at Single Tracks. Hey guys. And Aaron Chamberlain, who's in charge of partnerships, is also one of our contributors. Hey guys. I wanted to start off by asking you guys what was your favorite video that we posted on Single Tracks this week? For me, it was Logan Pete's Backwoods video. It had all the, the, the elements that make a great video. Great writing, of course, great filming, great song. Uh, and and the sound design was really good as well. You could really hear the tires ripping into the berms, which I think some that's something that a lot of the newer mountain bike videos are starting to do is is really emphasize the the sound of the bikes when they're tearing ass down the trail. Yeah, I really like that one as well. I'm always a sucker for Red Bull Rampage, so getting a glimpse of how foreigners practice for the event uh, with that video from southern France uh, was super cool. Plus, just that whole area was just amazing. The line at the end of the video, I was like, who thought to put a trail through that? <laughs> like, it was pretty intense. Uh, so if you haven't seen that one yet, definitely recommend it. Yeah, I was, I was certainly surprised about the terrain that they have available out there. My favorite video had to have been G. Atherton in the fox hunt. I thought it was really cool to see all the riders there with the jerseys on that were coordinated so you could really tell who was who during the event and I mean it must have been so exciting for both for G to pass all those people but also for all the riders you know having somebody chasing you down on a ride definitely makes you ride faster and and a lot of times take more risks so that was definitely fun to watch yeah I'd agree it was it was fun to watch especially watching G literally mow down some guys and leave them doing cartwheels down the side of the trail but (laughs) The uh, the song in that video just killed it for me. I had to I had to watch that one on mute. <laughs> well, what I want to know is who the heck thought of that event. Like what? I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that. All these Red Bull guys sitting around like, what should we do? Oh, let's have four hundred people race down the mountain and see how many G Atherton can pass. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Just awesome. Up next, there was news this week about a, a new Garmin GPS. Actually, it wasn't news. This this GPS unit was announced back in the summer. But for those who missed it, it's a super tiny, really basic GPS from Garmin that's built for cycling. And the cheapest version retails for just 129 bucks. So my question for you guys is, what do you think about the pricing? We had some comments on the blog, people saying that the GPS was overpriced, that there are GPS units you can get for a a third of the price of this Garmin. I wanna know what you guys think about the pricing. Well, I I looked and I couldn't find any mythical sub $100 GPS units online. I don't know about you guys, but to me, it seems like it's right in line with the rest of the market. You know, Lazine has a mini GPS that's very similar form factor to the new Garmin, really tiny, really basic display, just, you know, speed, distance, average pace. And that one sells for 140. So, you know, it's right in line, as far as I'm concerned, you know, with the Garmin, the, the cheaper version being 129, it, it seems to be right in line with, with the rest of the market. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The GPS I have on my wrist right now it is retails for 500 bucks, and that's in line with all the other wrist-mounted units I've seen. I was even looking at Fitbits in the store the other day. Super interesting to see that technology coming into the mainstream. And you can buy a $200 Fitbit with no display whatsoever, no navigation, so seeing all that in this $130 unit from Garmin is pretty impressive. 
Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people maybe are, are spoiled by the fact that we can get apps for our smartphones that, you know, cost a couple bucks, if anything. But for a standalone GPS, yeah, it definitely seems like this is a an interesting new option for bikers. Yeah, Cat Eye and, and Wahoo have units that'll pair with your phone, but again, those aren't those aren't standalone GPS units. You still have to have your, your phone with you. So if you're doing really long rides or, you know, multi-day rides, if you're out in the, you know, deep woods somewhere where your your phone may not work, you know, it's still nice to have a standalone GPS unit. Yeah. Yeah. And battery life too, for sure. Yeah. Battery life is a one, definitely. I really enjoyed Helena's three-part trip report from her trip out to Colorado for the Single Tracks meetup. Uh, thanks, thanks so much for hosting us there, Greg. Yeah, super fun to have you guys out and show you the local trails. It was rad. Yeah, so we did several big rides. I mean, it was three days of back-to-back riding. Aaron, I want to know what was your favorite ride or, or what left sort of an impression on you? Probably my favorite ride would be Canyon Creek. That's the ride we did on the second day there. Um, that's one of my favorite rides of all time honestly you know first day we did monarch crest to agate creek and i had ridden that first section of the monarch crest before but agate creek was new to me and that was a rad descent you know just crisscrossing the agate creek on the way down and it just kept getting gnarlier and rockier and deeper so that was a that was a great ride and pike's peak that we did on the last day that was super memorable just because i've never been never been to the top of pikes peak i've never been that high before you know 14,110 feet at the the top of pikes peak it is it is up there but canyon creek is just amazing you know it's it's the kind of ride i like to do where you're earning your turns you've got a long brutal climb and then just an incredible descent through high alpine and then you know into the trees it was steep and rocky and and a little bit wet and then it kind of mellowed out after that and was just really swoopy and fast and ah it was that was just a great ride yeah such a great descent for sure greg you even mentioned that that was one of your favorite rides in all of colorado yeah most definitely uh one of the best descents i've ever done you know as a loop style ride like getting up that thing is brutal you know hiking and pedaling and cranking up that dirt road but as far as the descent it just doesn't get much better than that yeah 10 miles downhill super different zones as you descend down the mountainside i mean it's just fantastic definitely well yeah speaking of that that terrible terrible climb one of the articles this week that got a lot of attention was mike's article about life lessons learned from mountain bike pain and he had seven different lessons that he sort of learned from mountain biking. And I wanted to talk about how we've each experienced that as well. For me, reading that article made me think back to to riding the Kahuta 100 mountain bike race. And, you know, that that's easily the toughest ride I've done on my bike. And I just remember in the weeks after that, I had this confidence, really, it was probably overconfidence that I could just do anything. You know, it was not too long after that, that I actually Um, had heat exhaustion out in Arkansas on a ride, but literally, you know, I remember, I remember even starting that ride thinking, you know, this is Arkansas. Like I've ridden 14,000 feet and a hundred miles on my bike. In that case, it it actually got me into a little bit of trouble, but it still, still felt great to have that confidence boost 
being able to push through pain like that. What have you guys experienced? Yeah, I've done the Kohala as well, which is brutal. But recently, I've been dealing with a couple of injuries over the past two years, including blowing up my ankle in January, which I'm still not 100% back from. This is kind of a different sort of pain, and I've learned sort of different things from it. It's been difficult more in a mental sort of capacity, not being able to ride as much as I want to or as hard as I want to. Uh, And learning to move past that has been super informative. It's really helped me reevaluate some of my life priorities. But I think, as with other pain, it's also made me more resilient to outside struggles, different pains in life that affect all of us. After pushing through sort of a long-term injury recovery, some of the smaller things that just hit you in life just don't seem that big of a deal anymore. It's a little bit easier to just kind of work past those. So. A little bit different than climbing pain, but I think very informative in its own way. Yeah, for me, you know, Mike mentioned in his article about the Vipassana meditation and kind of along that same vein, I used to do yoga pretty regularly and that really helped me just become more in tune with my body, to listen to my body. You know, if I'm in pain on the bike, uh, I can make adjustments so that I'm more comfortable, but on the mental side, it also, as Mike mentions, it it allows you to detach from your pain and almost be a third-party observer to it. So, you know, like I did the off-road assault on Mount Mitchell this summer, which is one of the hardest days I've ever done on the bike. It's 68 miles and over 14,000 feet of climbing. So it packs, you know, all the climbing from the Kohutta into a 30-mile shorter course and there was one particular climb that was i don't even know it was 10 or 12 miles long just something ridiculous so you you just really you just get into that pain cave you get down there and and you just lock in and you for me you know i i try to break it up into little pieces you know even if it's just seeing that next rise up in front of me i'm like all right i'll keep pushing through until i crest that and then that's one little piece, you know, check that box, move on to the next little bit. So that's that's kind of how I approach the mental pain of uh, mountain biking. Yeah, and obviously, right, that's applicable in our own lives in terms of, you know, there are times that we're going to go through tough stuff and, you know, just getting a day at a time a lot of times really helps just getting a mile or two down the road on a mountain bike. Greg, a couple weeks ago, you got to get out to the Vale Outliers Festival, and you tested the new Yeti SB4.5C, which was an excellent review that you posted. But instead of focusing on the review, I wanted to know a little bit more about Vale Outliers. It sounds like the organizers have big plans for that event in the coming years. Yeah, I mean, the event was just just a perfect time. It is prime time in Colorado in mid-September. The Aspens are just on fire, just golden. The weather is perfect. I really couldn't have picked a better weekend to be riding in the high Rockies. Um, it was about like the 20th of September or so, which, you know, it could snow, but in general, it's a pretty safe bet, especially since Vail isn't too horribly high in elevation. So, I mean, just the weather's just excellent. So much better than testing bikes in the desert in 100-degree weather. <laughs> also, the organizers really seem to know what they're doing, you know, have great races, big prize purses, venues set up really well. Uh, and Vail in general knows how to host just just crazy amounts of people. They do the Vail Mountain Games, currently sponsored by GoPro, every spring in Vail. And just thousands of people, tons of exhibitors swarm that place. But the Vail's built and designed to handle it. So 
I could see Outlier easily growing much, much bigger in that space, in that venue. I think they could have you know, great things in store for them. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be cool to watch that in the years to come as they put more resources into it. Finally, I wanted to talk about some of the gear that we've got in for review right now. You know, these are the items that we've got in and we're excited about, but you know, maybe people aren't going to see reviews for another month or so. So for me, I just got a new power tap system. And for those who don't know, it's a power meter that's built into the rear hub of a wheel. And I'm excited about testing it to see how it works and to see what I can gain from understanding my power on the trail. But also, I'm really excited about testing some mountain bike myths. There's all kinds of myths out there, and I'm excited to see how we can use power to maybe bust some of those myths. Aaron, what are, what are you working on? Uh, I've got a couple things that I'm really excited about. The the first being a set of bike packing bags from the Bike Bag Dude out of Australia. It's a husband and wife team. It's just really high quality stuff. The attention to detail on it is is incredible, honestly. So I got a, a frame bag that was custom made for a bike that I have. I uh, got a handlebar roll, uh, two chaff bags, which are little bags that mount on either side of the stem and then a top tube bag as well. So I'm really pumped to get out this fall, enjoy our beautiful Georgia fall weather, You know, ride some trails, build some fires, drink some whiskey. So really excited about those. And the other thing is just had a, a bike show up this week that I'm pretty pumped to test. It's a Jet 9 Carbon from Niner. I tested the alloy version of that earlier this year. You know, it was a good bike, but there are definitely some, some changes that I made to it that kind of better suited my uh, riding style and where I was using the bike and it looks like the Jet 9 Carbon that I just got in Niner went ahead and made a bunch of those changes for me So <laughs> it'll be interesting to to see how it compares to the uh, to the alloy version. I tested earlier Right on. I also have a set of bike bags uh, that I've been using for a couple of months now from Oveja Negra which and they're based right here in Salida, Colorado all handmade in the US and bags have been just awesome quality, but uh, unlike most people, I've been testing them on my six-inch travel enduro bike. So most people, you know, use them for bike packing applications. But I think bike bags have great application just for day rides in the mountains. Just getting that weight off your back, utilizing the space in your frame and on your frame. So I've been super stoked on them. So stay tuned for a review on those. I also have a Garmin Phoenix 3 wrist-mounted GPS unit that has just been excellent. Super easy to use. Very convenient full of features that you can dig into if you want to get technical. Just excellent, super durable construction and battery life that's almost too good. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I'll just go for days just using it and be like, oh, I probably need charges at some point here. <laughs> um, you can go for like you know, a week of rides or almost a week of rides and be solid with it. So super fun. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining me, guys. This was definitely fun. Next week, we'll be back with more mountain bike news on the Single Tracks podcast. Later.